R E A R E A R E A R E A Audio 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 r e a I suppose it was a lot funnier in the 80s than it probably would be now. But anyway, he used to tell a story about coming to America and going into a grocery store and how utterly amazed he was at all the choices. You know, choices are a part of our culture and choices are at the forefront of all we do, even when deciding who or what nonprofit to support. At Reemployability, we have a huge database of choices and are fortunate enough to have the pleasure of working with the best. And one of the best is Habitat for Humanity. This week, I sat down across the Zoom camera with Xavier Oliver from one of our local Habitat chapters. I think you'll come to appreciate their mission much more after hearing our conversation and can better understand the why behind the good work they do. Xavier Oliver is the Volunteer Program Manager for Habitat for Humanity of Pinellas and West Pasco Counties. If you're not familiar with Pinellas and West Pasco Counties, they're on the west coast of Florida near, well, you're in the Tampa Bay area. So, Xavier, thanks for uh, being with us on REA Audio. Thanks for having me, Todd. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So, Habitat for Humanity, I mean, you're across the country. Most people who would be listening now understand what Habitat for Humanity is. But I would imagine in different regions, there are some different goals for the communities that you serve. Can you tell us a little bit about what the goals are for the Habitat for Humanity there in Pinellas and West Pasco? Definitely. So, here in our area, our goal is to serve families by providing affordable homeownership opportunities. Um, rent prices are skyrocketing in our area. Uh, it's becoming more and more difficult to purchase land or to purchase uh, a traditional mortgage, or a home through a traditional mortgage. Um, so what we do is provide those opportunities for families that may not qualify for a traditional mortgage, the opportunity to purchase their own home. Um, so we have a Habitat home ownership program in which they partner with us for about 12 to 18 months. Um, and during that time, they're going to complete a number of requirements, including education classes. Um, they're going to complete sweat equity hours to build their own home and other families' homes. Um, and by the end of that 12 to 18 months, they're going to have the opportunity to purchase their own habitat home and start a new chapter in their lives. Did you say sweat equity? That's right. Sweat equity. I love that term. I'm going to steal that term. That's awesome. So yeah. so basically they have to help build, is it their home or other homes or how does that work? What's sweat equity? Both. Um, so they get sweat equity through taking those classes. Uh, we have 32 home buyer education classes, everything from being a good neighbor to home maintenance, budgeting, financial literacy, a really well-rounded curriculum. Uh, and then they also, as you mentioned, go out and build other families' homes. Uh, as well as their own, which is a huge benefit. Not a lot of people get to say that they built their own home, but uh, they do get that opportunity through the program. So where do you get the land from? I mean, especially in Pinellas and, and West Pasco, I mean, that land is its not cheap. Yeah, it's definitely becoming more and more difficult. Um, we have a whole team dedicated to that, you know, finding land, purchasing land, uh, working with local municipalities and governments to help us purchase that land and, and put it towards affordable housing. So that community partnership is, is very strong and, and very important to us. How many homes do you all build in a year? It varies. Um, last year, we completed 67 homes here in the area. 
uh, in both counties. And then uh, this year, our goal is to do 80 homes. Wow. Now, are they are they like a template or are they different size homes depending on the size of the family? How does that work? Yeah, so they're usually built to family size. Um, so we serve families of all different sizes. We have individuals in the program. We have single parents. We have um, dual adult households, um, you know, no kids all the way up to four or five kids. So we really build it uh, so that it will fit the family. Um, and then we have a number of you know, templates and models that we have uh, to base those off of. Do folks get a choice or, or is it pretty much this is what you get? Um, so they work with our construction team to talk about their plans and make sure everything looks good. A lot of time it, it depends on the land that we're building on and what's you know allowed to be built there. Um, but for the homes, they do get to customize a number of things, including paint colors, um, flooring, cabinets, countertops. And we have a great area in our education center called the homeowner selection area. Uh, and they get to go in, sit with our construction team, go over the plans and everything, and then pick out each of those things. So that's really cool. uh, that's one of the most exciting days for our homeowner candidates. Oh, I bet. I bet. That's got to be a lot of fun. So yeah. how did you get involved with uh, Habitat for Humanity and in your role? Yeah, uh, I've been involved in the nonprofit world uh, since I came out of college. I went to the University of Tampa. Uh, one of my mutual friends was working here. Um, I was in volunteer management down in Manatee County. Um, and she recommended me to apply. Um, and, and here at Habitat, things just happen so quickly and it all seems right. So that's how yeah. I got involved. And I've been here about a year and four months now. Okay. So what does a volunteer program manager do on a daily basis? Like, give me your job description. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny you say that. I think we all wear so many hats here at Habitat, so it's hard to pinpoint. But um, thinking about all of our volunteer opportunities, everything from those build sites to here in our office, we have a couple of restores uh, where we sell donated goods and um, home furnishings to continue funding new home builds. Uh, we have volunteers there. We have special events throughout the year. So managing all of those opportunities for our folks to earn sweat equity or for community members to come out and lend a hand, uh, mm-hmm. swing a hammer, build a house, all that good stuff. Yeah, I, I think when I think of Habitat for Humanity, I think about the you know videos of people nailing, putting up, putting up walls, putting roofs on and stuff. But you mentioned the the restores, right? The, they're like a thrift shop right in order to, to yeah. earn money now um, I would imagine that you utilize volunteers there quite a bit and and I know that you have utilized um, reemployability's transition to work program um, injured workers come and volunteer is it primarily at your restores yeah we have a, a number of recurring volunteer groups that come into our restores on a regular basis and one of them uh, as you mentioned is through the reemployability program. Um, a lot of our volunteers to that program volunteer either in the Clearwater location or the Newport Ritchie location, where we have a num- number of tasks uh, and our staff loves working with them because they're you know, reliable and uh, they really become part of the team when they're with us uh, in both of the resource. So you definitely feel like there's a benefit utilizing those folks who are on a modified duty program. Definitely. We see hundreds and hundreds of volunteers come through our program uh, each week, uh, we, you know, anywhere from, you know, in any given week, we typically have a uh, hundred or more volunteers um, and, you know, across all those opportunities, when you see the same face uh, week after week, month after month, it's, it's very helpful to our staff because we know, you know, their skills and we know their abilities, what they're comfortable with. Um, we don't have to continue retraining them per se. Uh, when you have new volunteers each day, it becomes time consuming. 
um, to retrain them and, and get them up to speed with what's going on. Uh, so when we see those familiar faces, it's super helpful because uh, they know everything going on. We can just get them going right away. No, that's great. So, you know, we tell, I'm, I'm the national sales manager here. So I work mostly on the, um, on the employer side. So my team and myself, we're the ones that are telling employers the benefits of getting an injured worker into the program. Um, and, and, you know, obviously there's, there's so many benefits based on, you know, just getting them back to work quicker and helping Mm -hmm. them, uh, regain their self-esteem and keep their self-esteem and get into some kind of schedule. Um, but a lot of times it helps to hear it from the, the voice of someone who's actually utilizing folks in the program. So in your opinion, how do injured workers benefit from participating in the transition to work program through your organization? Sure. I think it's a, a great opportunity and, and not just for our organization, but for any organization involved. Uh, it's just an opportunity for that worker to get out into the community and make a difference. Not everybody gets that opportunity in their position every day, uh, their normal day job. So to get out there and, and serve towards a mission that helps the greater good of the community is a great opportunity for them. And like you said, keeping them active, uh, making new connections and friendships, and then the opportunity to learn new skills. Um, so they may not be doing exactly what they do every day in their normal position. Uh, they maybe have the opportunity to learn new things and, like I said, interact with new people and just uh, keep things fresh. You know, um, stories go such a long way uh, on podcasts, but just as human beings in general, we we really thrive on hearing stories about uh, people's experiences. Do you have any comments or any stories about any injured workers that have participated in the program that you'd share? Yeah, uh, I, I would want to talk about um, one gentleman who came in, we'll just call him uh, Bobby for privacy sakes. And he came in, he was a construction worker. Um, so he was a kind of a came from a tougher mindset uh, in his normal day job. And when he came into the restore, he saw it was kind of a retail center setup. Um, he wasn't too interested. You could tell, you know, he didn't necessarily want to be there that day, but he was just doing it. Uh, that was his assignment. But when he came in um, and we, we started talking to him, he wasn't very enthusiastic. But we went through orientation. I told him about Habitat and all that we do. And you can see the light bulb come on, uh, the light, the, the switch totally flipped for him. He realized, you know, what he could be doing for the community and for others. Uh, and then he started interacting with some of our homeowner candidates that were also volunteering that day. And, and you could see him fall in love with the mission. Oh, that's uh, true. He actually spent, I think, three, three and a half months with us. Um, and, and he was super reliable. He came five days a week. He worked 40 hours with us. And, you know, it seemed like, you know, we almost had the opportunity to hire him, actually. Um, he, he loved it so much. Um, but, you know, we could buy him for any task and we know that he'd do it with a smile on his face. So just seeing that mindset switch, you know, maybe it's not the seems like the greatest option at the time for them to come in. Um, but the more they learn about and everything, uh, they do love to come in and volunteer. You know, Xavier, that happens so often. You know, people are uh, a little apprehensive at first because they're not quite sure what to expect. Sometimes the communication between the employer and the injured worker isn't as as good as we'd like it to be. And so there's definitely apprehension. But um, so many times I hear that story that once they, you said the light bulb clicked, right? That's exactly what it is. They're like, man, this is actually not a bad gig, right? For sure. So I know, so did he work and because he had construction background, was he in one of your restores or was he working at uh, an actual build site? 
Yeah, so due to his uh, physical restrictions, he was working in our restore, and okay. he did ask about working out, of the, out on the job site, so we, we couldn't have him out there uh, yeah. under his circumstances, and we had to tell him to, you know, take it easy a couple of times, because he wanted to get in there so much and do sure. as much as he could, yeah. um, but he did work in our restore, and, and like I said, it's one of my favorite um, parts of the orientation, is seeing that light bulb switch for them, mm-hmm. uh, seeing them come in not so enthusiastic or excited for the mm-hmm. position but at the end of the day i see them leave with a big smile on their face and knowing they're coming back the next day so at what point in the orientation and it might be different for different people but i'm just curious like what is it that you all show or do that you think makes that light bulb go on maybe not just for injured workers but for any volunteer that you have yeah i was gonna say i think it's a lot of our community members it's just the misconceptions of habitat and our program overall uh, the number one misconception we get is that we give away homes for free um, and, and that there's some kind of sort of giveaway or handout to people, but it's it's truly not. I mean, we partner with them and um, the homeowners are going to purchase a home and pay a mortgage just like any other homeowner. Uh, when they hear those words, it, it really clicks that, you know, we're really helping people by giving them a hand up and not a handout. So that's what really makes a difference. And, you know, that's when people start to turn around and say, OK, maybe I, I can volunteer for this organization and make a difference. Well, yeah, when you explained the classes that people go through, I, I'm thinking, I think every high school student should have those, you Definitely. know, to, to better understand that process. That's really great. So obviously, so that's the volunteer side of things. Um, I'm sure you have experience with people who've actually been able to benefit from um, purchasing one of the homes that, that have been built. Um, do you have any stories about any of those folks that, that kind of touched your heart or that, that popped to your, to your memory? Yeah, I- being here in the short year that I've been here, um, you know, I've seen people at, you know, when they're first coming into the program, they're very enthusiastic about it. And, you know, after a couple of months, you realize how much work it is um, and, and it becomes really hard. You know, when you have to, you're required to do 25 hours a month of sweat equity. That's on top of your 40 hour a week job. Right, you're you have job. two or three kids. Maybe you're raising them on your own. You know, that means giving up basically every weekend to come out and volunteer and put hours toward your house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen people at their lowest as well. Um, so seeing them just, you know, get through the journey and, and supporting them each step of the way, it's just been truly incredible. Um, and when you see them on dedication day or see the keys to their new home that is theirs that they purchased, it is really impactful. Um, yeah. And then, you know, like we said, we, we've served over 950 families here in the area, uh, over 100, 750 through new home builds. Um, so we're really just, you know, getting started with seeing the, the long-term impact of these families um, yeah. and, and what the homeownership aspect does to their home, to their family and yeah. their entire life. So there's we're really excited so, to see that grow. There's something so special about owning your home. And it's funny, I've, I've purchased a couple homes <laughs> in my day. And, uh, you know, after you sign the mortgage papers, people say like, congratulations. I'm like, I just spent more money than I've ever spent in my life. Right. And you're congratulating me for it. But the, but internally, just the, the knowledge of whether it's a large home or a small home, that it's, that it's yours and you can do with it what you want. And, and there's just so much freedom that goes along with that. What, what a, tre- what a tremendous, um, you know, mission that you all have that, that, that really, really pushes people in a positive direction. Uh, that that's, that's wonderful. So, um, is there anything you had said that there were some misconceptions, right? About habitat, that the homes are for free. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's the most important message that you want people to know about habitat for humanity? Or if not, what, what, what do you think that would be? 
Definitely. I think just, you know, becoming involved and trying to learn more about the organization is a great first step. Um, a lot of people, either they just don't know about the organization or, you know, the true mission and what we do here. Um, so I would just say reach out, get involved and, and see what it's about um, before, you know, jumping to any conclusions. Um, and, and one of the biggest messages that I like to send out is, is to apply. Our homeownership program has, you know, served, as I said, over 950 families. It works. Uh, we've seen it all. Uh, one of our recent newest homeowner candidates said to me the other day, every step of the journey is the journey. Um, and you're not going to be able to get started with Habitat without taking that first step. And that's applying. That's going to our website and checking out the qualifications. Um, so it, it may be a really intimidating process. It may look, you know, like it's long and daunting. But at the end of the day, you know, when you receive those keys and like you said, when you own your own home, there's a special feeling you get knowing that safety and security is there for you every day. If you were to look for like a top something in your wish list, like what is it? Is it more volunteers? Is it money donations? What is it that would be if if you could? You're, what, what are you asking for Christmas, Xavier, for Habitat for Humanity? Yeah, I, I think all the above. I mean, definitely the two that you mentioned. Um, any any donations and funding opportunities that we're able to receive from the community, whether it's individuals, whether it's um, a social group or uh, an organization like a company or a business, uh, that just secures more housing opportunities for families in the community. So that's super important to get those dollars. Um, and then, of course, the, the fun aspect of that is volunteer needs. Um, you know, if you want to come out, uh, swing a hammer, um, paint a house, whatever it may be, we have tasks for everybody. You know, whatever your interest is, is in, uh, in home construction, we can have something for you. Uh, we work with volunteers of all abilities, experiences, ages. Um, so I would say volunteer resources and financial resources are on the top of our wish list for now. So I'm interested, you went to University of Tampa and you got right into nonprofit work. What, what was it that inspired you to take that track rather than the for-profit world? Yeah, I think um, just the ability to help others. Um, I, I think that's what really drew me in, um, and, and being service of being to being of service to people in need. Um, and I think that's what really clicks with volunteers, especially from those uh, with the reemployability program. Um, I think that when they get the opportunity to help others, it, it really clicks with them, and that's what they really enjoy about working for a nonprofit. You know, during their little stint with us as well. Now, you guys have a pretty extensive marketing um, campaigns going on. My understanding is that y'all just started your own podcast. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. just over a year ago. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, uh, we, we've had our little Habitcast, as we call it. Habitcast? Um, the Habitcast, yep. That's really fun to say. Yeah, we, we turned it to have everything. We have the, have the family here, we have, <laughs> have the pets and have the kids. So That's great. Um, but our podcast is, is where we're able to highlight partnerships in the community. Um, and, and we would not be able to do what we do without partnerships, um, you know, whether it's with home sponsors or community members, um, organizations like Reemployability, none of it would be possible. Uh, so we just take that time to partner, uh, highlight our partners and partnerships that we have, uh, give them some time to talk about what they do in the community, the initiatives they're doing to give back, uh, and then highlight our partnership. Um, we have some amazing partnerships with organizations like Feeding Tampa Bay, you know, all of our home sponsors. We have Kids Pedal Power that donates bikes to the kids each time a home is dedicated. Uh, so we have some really fun and interesting ones uh, that, that we love to highlight and, and show off anytime we can. 
That's really cool. Now, Habitat for Humanity, as I mentioned at the start, obviously it's nationwide. We have folks listening to this podcast nationwide. So you you are in the Tampa Bay area. Um, how, how does Habitat operate? Is there like a, a a corporate head that, and then you're a branch of that, or are you all separate entities? How does that work? Yeah, so we're affiliates of Habitat for Humanity International, um, and that's based in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and uh, so we we are one of about 1,100 affiliates here in the U.S., um, and I believe there's over uh, 500 or so uh, affiliates across about 70 countries in the world. Um, so there are a massive number of habitats all around the world uh, striving to provide affordable homeownership opportunities to families um, of all different backgrounds. Um, so we are uh, one here uh, in our area, and we have a number that we work with here in Florida, um, and uh, we're just doing our part in our area to you know, help the families here. So if folks want to get more information, what's the best way for them to do that? First off, if they live in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah, definitely head to our website. It's habitatpwp.org, uh, Pinellas West Pasco. Um, and, and for anybody that wants to get involved, we have a, a number of ways to get involved, whether it's to donate, volunteer, shop, apply for the program, uh, or be an advocate for Habitat. Um, and I would say anybody out there that wants to get involved with their local Habitat, um, Habitat International's website has all of their local affiliates listed out. Um, so you can just look in your area according to your zip code. Um, we have, you know, like I said, 1,100 affiliates across the U.S. You know, you can get involved with somebody near you. Now, Xavier, anybody that's listening now, I'm sure is aware that there was a major hurricane that hit just south of the Tampa Bay area not too long ago. And you all are doing something special to uh, raise some funds and help those folks out, right? Can you tell us more about that? Definitely. Uh, they were um, impacted harshly, and uh, we're doing what we can here in our area to help them out. Uh, so we are collecting supplies at our Clearwater Restore and Newport Ritchie Restore. Um, supplies uh, to help them in their cleanup efforts as well as rebuilding efforts. Um, if you go to habitatpwp.com slash Ian, uh, it'll have a whole list of, of what we're collecting, uh, as well as monetary donations to be sent down there and, and to help them out as they look to rebuild um, you know, their own homes and their own offices, as well as to continue helping community members uh, as part of their mission. So anybody from across the country can make that monetary donation through that website if they want to help out this way. That's correct. That's great. Xavier, anything else you want to add? I would, I would say that reemployability is a, a win-win for everybody. Uh, so definitely reach out and, and get involved and get some volunteers to help you out. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate the plug. And uh, I hope you all come back again sometime because I'd love to talk a little bit more about your podcast and and, uh, and get that stuff out uh, and and some more uh, interest in listeners to you with that as well. And in any way we can help you out, we certainly appreciate your partnership. And thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Todd. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to REA Audio. If you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode, please let us know. You can find us on Twitter at REA Audio Podcast. That's the best place for feedback and show suggestions. Also, please follow REA Audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out more content at listentorea.com. If you have a story to tell or know someone who does, please don't be shy. Let us know. 
You could email Todd at reemployability.com or tell us on Twitter at REA Audio Podcast. Have a great rest of your week. I walked out of the airplane. I saw my name written, big letters, Smirnoff. America loves Smyrna. I said to myself, what a country. (laughs) 